Hello and welcome to What Happens Next, the show where Alex knows what happens next. But actually, I also know what happens next in this one. So do we both know what happens next? But we are talking about the future. So maybe none of us knows what happens next. Because how can we possibly know what's happening in the future? I mean, we can talk about, you know, the metaphysics of the universe and whether we do control our own destinies and how much control, in fact, we do have Welcome to season two, everyone! Yeah! Like most things, I'm probably going to be better at this than you. Grab the beers, head to your nans and have a great time. (laughs) Snakes are just tails. They actually fell off bigger animals. (laughs) Okay, how many times are you hit on me? Oh, look, frequently. Sally's very impressed. Is she awesome? If not, we can hypnotise her. (laughs) He's a monkey playing with a soundboard at the I don't know how to read. Why do you think we're doing a podcast? Exactly. We're back with another episode of What Happens Next in Season 2. Jacob, we are changing up the structure this season. We're normally used to playing it like I will come in with a situation and you will know nothing. This season, we're going to have a little bit more discussion going into it so we know what we're talking about and try and decide on the future of the human race on these very important issues. I mean, we could say it was because... You know, you wanted to be a bit more democratic and you didn't want to uh, play puppet master all the time and fill your god complex. But I think the real reason is because you ran out of ideas. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The second one too. uh, The first one too. But yes, I did also run out of ideas. Um, We're going to cover a big one this week. I think one of the... uh, Would would you call it the problem of our generation? I would. In fact, you, you, you put it quite well. Well, I was just wondering. Actually, the problem of all subsequent generations as well, really. Well, I mean, We started it, they're going to finish it. Yeah, and but, by I mean, we started it you don't like two generations that. ago. You don't know that yet though, right? Because yeah. like... Again, we could talk about the metaphysics of society. <laughs> <laughs> but is, for instance, in 50 years time, if there's a if there's a nuclear war, I feel like that's going to be a bigger problem of their generation more so than whether or not yeah. the sea levels are an extra 30 centimetres higher. So we can say with more certainty that is the problem of our generation. Yeah. Um, Ominous music plays. They still don't even know what it is yet, by the way. We haven't actually told them. It is, of course, climate change. Yay! Yay. Um, it's barrel of laughs. I mean, <laughs> I like. I, I always sort of thought of us as a comedy podcast. I mean, you know, the the listeners can debate that topic. I feel like we should have be... a we should have a we should have a podcast where we debate whether or not we're a comedy podcast. <laughs> yeah, if we really want to get metaphysical. <laughs> All right, so we're going to... What, um, what do we think about climate change? Is what it, are we, let's, let's we haven't actually worked that out for. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of wigging this, if you yeah. can't tell. We've got an idea of what we want to cover. I think we need to start out with the basics, right? Which is just explain some of the facts. Yeah. Every year, we continuously pump more dangerous gases into the sky, particularly carbon monoxide. Dioxide. Carbon dioxide, As too. a science student, it is carbon dioxide. <laughs> is, is, is it not both? Carbon dioxide is the problem. Okay, carbon dioxide is the problem. So, okay, quick question here. As somebody that's not the science student, people often say, like, carbon dioxide is a natural thing. If it's a natural thing, surely it, like, works, right? Can you explain the the physics of why that's not accurate? Funnily enough, just because it's natural doesn't mean it's good. Um, It's due to the fact that it stops heat escaping from the atmosphere, so then it gets hotter. That's why pumping... Uh, CO2 into the atmosphere is bad because you, you get what's called a runaway greenhouse effect, which basically then it gets to a point and then it just got, starts getting way hotter and hotter and hotter and it get, runs away. It's like what it's like on Venus, which is, where it's like 400 degrees on the surface, which, you know, not ideal, Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go with. Yep. I mean, you know, I don't mind a tan, but... <laughs> 
400 degrees is a bit much. No, that's that's always what I've wanted for myself yeah. is cris- crispy uh, crispy skin human. That's that's exactly my planned meal for the future. Yeah. It also rains acid there. Does it? It does. Which one is more terrifying, 400 degrees or acid rain? You don't really have that much time to comprehend the acid rain because you'd probably be vaporised pretty quick or die. Surely no, not. You'd be vaporised, but you'd say, die very quickly. How quickly would 400 degrees kill you? Surely all, it'd be pretty fast. All, your pro- all the proteins in your body would unfold. Yeah, and like, surely this would be a you'd matter be, of minutes. You'd, I'd say more like pretty much instantly, I reckon. So we're going to say under a minute for 400 degrees? Yeah. See, I, I reckon, reckon acid rain would kill you quite slowly. Mm, yeah, the, the, the temperature is more terrifying. Yeah. The acid rain's the... Just a byproduct. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 it like, piques your imagination. Like, yeah, imagination more. But it's less, you know, immediately dangerous. It, it's not going to tickle. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody was advocating that it was. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, so, we're talking about climate change. We need to discuss the realities of what is natural in terms of uh, cycles, I think, so to speak, and what isn't, is because um, many of the arguments regarding climate change is, first of all, we're going to dismiss, completely dismiss the people that say that there is no change in the climate, right? Yes. Because there factually is, beyond any reasonable doubt. Yes. Right? It has gotten hotter. It it definitely has gotten hotter. Oh, but it snows somewhere else. (laughs) No, not how it works. (laughs) What you can debate to a certain extent over is what has made it hotter, right? Is it man-made? So, we got to briefly touch on this um, because to a certain extent, it is true that the Earth has gotten hotter as a result of its cycles. Now, I'm not the scientist here. You can feel free to correct me. But I have a rough understanding that the Earth goes through periods of where it's warmer and colder. Think of like the Ice Age and stuff as like one of the colder periods. And we are entering a period which is one of the warmer periods, right? And so the Earth will naturally get hotter. But as from my understanding, we have also done so many things that have going, are going to make it considerably hotter than it ever should have been as a result of one of these cycles. I think it's more we accelerate it. Um, than anything else. I mean, the the atmosphere did used to have way more carbon dioxide in it, and then plants came along and started pumping oxygen into the atmosphere and sucking up carbon dioxide. Uh, so it, it goes in cycles depending on what's living on the planet as well. Um, so, you know, humans are a part of that. It's like, you know, humans are the first organism to ever change the Earth. It's happened multiple times. I think it, it's more the fact that we're going to create an environment where we can't sustain ourselves, basically, more than we already can't, because humans can't live in... It's, it's not, not more that humans can't live, but we won't make our food and stuff. There's going to be massive food shortages and stuff and fires and all that sort of stuff. It's going to become a less habitable world for us until we evolve more or something else evolves more. But like, it's not in our control and it's not going to happen quickly. Um, so yeah, it, it, it changes and goes in cycles, but we're definitely accelerating. Yeah. And I think you, you're absolutely right. Whilst we're not the first species to ever have affected, um, the cycles of the planet and et cetera. But, um, I think we are the first one with the, that we're aware of at least with the level of consciousness to be able to be aware Aware of of what we're doing and therefore actually make decisions as to what we want to do. Yeah. Um, as, as far as we're aware, really, and 
you know, we could be wrong. We're the first real species with any concept of morality. Um, and we get to be the ones that decide whether or not there will be future species because at the rate we're going, there will not be. Oh, well, yeah, there'll be future species. They'll be very different. Uh, but, like, we'll, we'll kill a lot that's here now. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm not literally saying in the next 50 years, but if we were to, if we were literally keep going at this rate for as long as we can, sure, I find it find it difficult to believe that there would be life living on Earth. There's, there's life everywhere on Earth. There's bacteria that can survive in hundreds of degrees. Okay. Like, in terms of bigger animals, like, you know, there's fish that live, like, kilometres down. Un- in, under ridiculous amounts of pressure and stuff like that. There's always going to be life, but also we are going to take away a lot of it with us to the, share our environment. So the question is then more is it's, it's us. what we're, do we do with our life? Yeah, right. that's what it is. It's like there's a lot um, about saving the planet, which, you know, I agree with, but I think a more effective way to go save ourselves. The planet will be fine. It'll, we'll die and new life will come along. The pl- and the you know the planet will go in its cycles and be fine. It will still be a rock flying through space. <laughs> it's the fact that where well, we can't live on it anymore. So yeah, like it's it's more it's more about do we want to survive? Do we want out the you know the generations going forward to have a chance of surviving? So if that's what we want, right? I feel like that's a pretty. I'm pretty, for that. Pretty I'm nice. Su- I'm pro survival. I pretty feel like that's a pretty standard pretty standard bar that everyone can agree to that we are all in fact pro-survival, um, how do we do that? Because we have this so ingrained in our society, the pumping out of carbon dioxide, literally we do it. Mm. Like, aside from all of everything else in the world where all the different carbon emissions and cows, and we'll get into all of those things as well, we as humans by existing are contributing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how do, we, how do we make this better and yet still continue to live? Um, well, you know, as a side student, I can tell you that plants do the opposite process to us. They use carbon dioxide and water to make, um, energy through photosynthesis. So my... I know that. Yeah. My, I, I, did, I did year eight science. I know that. <laughs> so my solution, and you know, it might be a bit drastic, but everyone could just carry a tree around in front of their face. <laughs> And then it literally sucks up all of the ox- all of the carbon dioxide we're giving off. Or you know, just put a tree, plant a tree on top of the of the like coal mining places. Um, it's this is full. <laughs> one of my favorite things I've seen is the, the. Have you seen an episode of Top Gear where they um, make cars the, out of like mud? And no, stuff. no, no, not just that. There's one where they attach a greenhouse to the end of the exhaust of a car, <laughs> <laughs> so that all of the carbon emissions going into the greenhouse then get converted back into oxygen to try and make the car carbon neutral. <laughs> Believe it or not, not quite how science works, yeah. but um, a promising start. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you know, there's things that people can do, you know, recycling, turning lights off, trying to, like, not use as much electricity and stuff. Um, to me, though, I think the the biggest problem is the, is the fossil fuel companies, the ones that uh, use coal and oil and stuff like that, um, to make energy. Um, there was a study that attributed... 70% of global carbon emissions to 100 companies in the world. So I think one company, uh, like the the Chinese coal companies, 14% of 
global carbon emissions just to, by the, that one sort of, I don't know, affiliation of companies. I think they're a bunch of smaller companies or whatever. Um, and I think the the best way to make dramatic change is to move away from those companies and getting energy in that way. We've got to pump all our money and resources into creating power in a re- renewable, relatively carbon neutral way. Because so we just need give power. everyone, let's just like, give everyone a brief explanation of like, when we say renewables, what's the difference? What's the difference? What are um, we talking about here? I think like definition wise, it's like, it's not using finite resources. So like, you know, the wind, we're not going to use that up. Yeah. Um, so we have a, so we have a certain amount of coal in the world. Yeah, a certain amount uh, of oil. Certain amount of oil. Um, all of these things is there is literally like, if if we did a stock take, we could eventually work out how much we have. Yeah. Right. Um, and we use up a certain amount each day. Things like wind and anything and the solar power would be almost practically impossible that they could ever run dry. Yeah, until the sun burns out, we're going to have solar. And Um, I've got a feeling that's going to outlive us. Um, You'd think so. Yeah. And then the wind is a um, construct of like air pressure stuff. That'll be fine. You can chuck a a couple of fans up. That's not going to stop it. (laughs) Like, you know. Um, So let's clarify. So we got the idea. We got renewables. What's the difference? If it was this easy, right? It would be great. Hmm. But we invented the ability to turn oil and coal into power and fuel um, well before we invented the idea of renewables, right? And so we have so heavily ingrained in our system is the uses of these finite resources. We're going to come to a point where we're going to need to start making some choices and they're going to be difficult choices because when we look at those decisions, right, the cost in which renewable energy is costing us at the moment is expensive mm. right um i just doing my own research um the two most expensive places for energy in the world are germany and denmark of the like actually reasonable sized countries um and both of them are two of the highest leading countries in the world when it comes to producing their own renewable energies um and both of those are, you know, first world countries with high levels of life expectancy and most of the standard of living features. I don't know that you'd say um, that guidelines that show how well a country is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can afford it. Yeah. The problem is that we also live in a world where we have countries like Somalia. Um, now, Somalia is more so trying to, you know, deal with wars and things um, and drought and poverty more so than like things such as um, climate change because if they have oil, they're going to use it Yeah, because it's going to bring some money into their country that they so desperately need when the rest of the world left them behind. Yeah. So what I want to get out of the show, and this is where we're going to break conversation for a brief second just to intersect, this show is going to be a bit different in the way we did it previously because we really want to delve into what is making these issues so difficult, right? When we look at so many issues in society, so many people would like to look at them through one lens and see a perfect solution. From one perspective, like they don't cross over each other so often. Exactly. Especially when we're talking about money, because as soon as you want to pour money into eight different things or, you know, how many different things, it has to come from somewhere. Yep. 
if Somalia, you know, had massive, like, you know, had a massive oil reserve that could sell, that would solve some of their problems in terms of housing and because, you know, they've got more money to, to use, they can put in more, you know, like, say, housing plans or food plans, all that sort of stuff. But that money's going to come from somewhere. And if they're using oil, they're contributing to climate change. So, so let's, let's I, I threw Somalia out of nowhere before, but let's take a real world example where this is. Um, an ever-present reality, the Middle East. And yeah. specifically, we could look at the UAE, right? This is like countries that are previously like desert nomadic tribes who, when thrust into the modern world by uh, Western society um, and dragged into it, found that they had something that the rest of the world really wanted mm. in these vast amounts of oil. And the wealthy people in these countries made large amounts of money very quickly, right? And they've done, in some regards, great things in terms of building up the infrastructure of the countries. And you look at cities like uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, in many respects, they are incredibly glamorous and, and beautiful and a lot better built than you know previously. But in so many other regards, these countries are not, they're not built for the future in any way. They're looking at the temporary right now, um, serving the lavish lifestyle of a select few, like, rich percentage and not dealing with the reality of what this country is going to be in the future. So how do you – because that's – this is, like, the ultimate question that we're trying to deal with. How do you take a country like this and us as outsiders, like, even if we were, you know, leaders of our country, how do you convince them to take all of the money that – is brought into their economy through oil and say, we need you to stop doing that. Yeah, you basically they're just got to ask them to stop making money, which is difficult because people like money. <laughs> um, you know, th- th- that's that's going to essentially be the problem of a system that is built on capitalism. <laughs> like there's a need- oh, Are we going to do this every episode? Are Probably. we just going <laughs> to- I've got a feeling most episodes are going to come back to capitalism. I want to do- like, Okay, fine. But I want to do one episode where we at capitalism. least- No, no, no. Where we at least do capitalism and which is mostly positive. Oh, no. Like, definitely there are positive. many great aspects of capitalism. I mean, you, know, you know what? Like built up Abu Dhabi? Capitalism. Yeah. It's like- it's absolutely brilliant for some things. And it like short- Like for those people who can now live in- you know, Dubai, overwhelmingly positive. Like, but the problem is that that's not how it works all the time. There are circumstances where capitalism is objectively bad for things. And I think, like, the the best thing that capitalism for is bringing markets and people from developing to developed. It's the best system there is for that. But then, obviously, you know, it's more flawed in other circumstances. But I don't have a better version. Like, well, well, like come on. that's the thing. Like, that's the challenge of this show. Is let's let's talk about it. How do we how do we make a system in the future where country like the UAE can still profit off the assets that they have? Um, you know, is other countries profit off? I don't know. Brazil profits off their ability to produce cocoa beans, right, and all the chocolate that goes in the world. Um, how do we allow them to profit off the? assets that they have without killing the, killing the world at the same time. Because we, we do put certain restrictions in for other things. For instance, like um, they quite often flaunt the rules, but the Japanese aren't allowed to hunt whales to a certain extent. And in many other animals in the world, you often look at the safari, there are restrictions around there. Um, you can't just 
even if it's your own livestock, like even if it's the right of your own land or international, uh, your own waters, you can't just destroy the earth as much as you want. Yeah. So can we start enforcing regulations against countries like the UAE and Saudi Arabia and say, this is the amount of oil that you can take out? Because we need some for the future, mm. step one, and two, you're killing us with the amount you're overdoing right now. Yeah. I think the reality is it's going to have to just be incentivizing uh, using renewable energy. So by either taxing the living shit out of energy that is oil-based and making renewable energy very, very cheap in terms of energy usage, in terms of countries using their resources, it's probably more difficult because, you know, it's much harder to regulate another country. But it's like... And I can't really think of a way apart from, hey, we'll pay you a lot of money not to use that. Is but, so, okay, so that's the question. Is it the responsibility of the more wealthy countries like Australia to take a country like the UAE and says... Well, they're way more wealthy than Australia. No, no, no. But um, I mean in like a... If oil was valueless, they would be considerably less wealthy. Yeah. Put it that way. Is it our responsibility to incentivize them to... Uh, buy into renewable energy or should do we just have to wait for them to do it themselves or should we be stopping them by force and intervening and saying you're killing this planet for all of us and you don't get a say in it anymore i don't know <laughs> like well, okay so that's because that, again that's the problem like no sure we can uh, you know you can ask them and go okay you know we'll incentivize this and you know we'll give you bonuses for that and stuff but like i, I guess the, the real one is you just don't buy it you know, they're selling oil. You stop buying that oil, it's not. It becomes less valuable. They'll they, still be using the oil themselves, though. Yes, but the reason they are rich is because they sell it to other places. So if, if everyone just stops buying that, that oil, then it becomes a much less valuable resource. The key to that is the word everyone, is that if, if somebody breaks that pact, um, and, you know, you know, if... Costa Rica breaks that pact, it's probably not the end of the world. But if Russia or China breaks that pact and says, hey, see, now that there, um, nobody else is buying from you, would you mind selling it to us at a cheaper rate? Then suddenly we're right back to square one again. I disagree. Because in terms of the problem with climate change is the volume that we're using. So, you know, even if Russia goes, yeah, we're going we're gonna to buy it cheap, China, America... Australia, Europe, South America, all these other countries still aren't using it, which is beneficial. It, it'd be better if they if no one was buying it, but it's still a beneficial circumstance to be in if only one country is. Okay, so let's um, take two quite similar countries in this case, uh, Western countries in Australia and the US. If you look at it right now, 15% of the US's energy is renewable, mm-hmm. right? How do we go from that transition from 15% to 100% when we're saying no to Saudi Arabia, the UAE? Even the, US, even the US now produces so much of their own oil. They've yeah. got so many um, fields themselves now. Um, and if they've reopened so many coal mines, how do they go from 15% to 100% without uh, spending <laughs> literally like their budgets? Yeah, that's a problem. Um, I think it probably it just it needs to be obviously needs to be prioritized. I mean, obviously it's not going to be like, all right, tomorrow we're turning off coal. <laughs> like, you, it's it's you gotta 
invest in enough uh, renewable energy sources and also storage because I think that that's the that that is one of the bigger drawbacks of renewable energy is it's night half the time so solar doesn't work so then you need to be able to store the power that you produce you know and the ways of doing that are reasonably inefficient so obviously there's going to have to be investment into battery technology but and also but also just like you know the number of solar panels we've got and the number of wind farms and other renewable sources, even like using uh, like bio waste and stuff, that can be used to make energy. It is, it, it does have a carbon footprint, but you're not digging stuff out of the ground at least. You're using stuff you're already using, so that carbon's sort of already around. It isn't as bad. The wi- wind and solar are the best ones in terms of having no carbon footprint once you have your infrastructure. Um, you just got to make that financially worthwhile for companies to do. So let's talk about that. Based on my research and the impression you've given me just then, a lot of the problems with the expenses of this is going to be the investment into infrastructure because we already have coal mines and oil rigs and everything. We don't have all of these solar farms and batteries to store all the solar energy, right? We need to invest in that. And yet it is not financially viable for anyone to want to. Because if we look at all the significant moments in human history where we went from even taking it as far back as, you know, the the moments where we discovered the uses of coal to power a train or something, that train had a use, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it was financially viable for somewhat, so they invested in it. Yeah. There is no incentive here for renewable energy. Yeah. Well, that, that's the problem. Is in the long term there will be, right? In 100 years if we if we invest in renewable energy now, in 100 years renewable energy energy will be considerably cheaper than coal, right? Even uh, disregarding accessibility of coal and oil and how much there is left, just in terms of efficiency of production. But in terms of actually building all of the infrastructure we have to get, it's going to cost us so much money. Are we at a position in our society right now where that's a big enough priority? Or should we be focusing on, you know, poverty, famine, disease, mm. war? Like In, ter- in terms of what uh, I think ways you could do it by, you know, incentivizing and stuff, is you go, okay, well, we're going to tax you at an exorbitant rate on any money you make off non-renewable energy and all the profit you make off renewable energy for now it's yours we're not gonna we like we won't tax your profit from there that's how you would make obviously you know you can work within rules and stuff but basically tax cut if you are making it renewable and tax inflation if you're doing it by not non-renewable is a like a way you can incentivize that and make it so it is financially viable for energy companies to pour money into renewables because they go, okay, well, all the money we make here, we get to keep most of that so once we've got the infrastructure, whereas we're giving away 70% of our profit to back to the government who's then just going to throw it back into renewables anyway. I guess that's how, you'd, that's how you'd try and do that without using all of the government's money. But the problem with that is then lobbying. Because that's what I was going to say, right, is that... Um these are they're good points, and I'd I'd love to think that with simple tax cuts and benefits that we could make a system in which um, renewable energy is much more cost efficient. And I'd love to live in that world. 
But the reality is, is that we live in a world where there's actually a, like a big white collar elephant in the room. And it's the fact that these lobbyists don't want to give up mm. their positions in these jobs that pay them so much money. Because the advantage of something like oil and coal is that um, actually getting it, not that difficult. Mm. Um, well, but if you have it, then it's just literally liquid money there. Or like, yeah. bit like, you know, little things of money there for you to use. Think about a coal mine. Like, yeah, you might have to pay some people to dig it up. But then once you have it, you've you've got essentially money, yeah. which you can just trade with someone. So it's such an easily profitable business for people to invest in that why 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 would they want to give that up? Yeah, yeah exactly, because there's so they're much gonna, money in it for they're them. Gonna so they're going to fight gonna... every step of the way. So, yeah, stop. That, and that's the problem. The, fa- the fact that these companies have too much influence over policy. It's a, like, because the, the, all, all these policies are based on the finan- the, f- the purely financial interests of these countries, with, oh, not these countries, of these companies. And the way you do that is, I guess, by reducing the power they have. I don't know how, because co- the corruption, like, you know, you. I can literally just pay people, you know, give, you know, some, some politician, you know, a hundred thousand dollars so they can make a billion. Like, of course they're going to do that. And just, you got to reduce the influence that, um, corporations have on government somehow. I don't know how, because you, again, you can't really stop corruption or that sort of influence. It's very difficult. It doesn't tend to be that blatant in Australia. Of of course. Um, yeah, it's. But they clearly but you, still have influence, though. Oh, absolutely, and I, I, you know, they have their ways around of you know being friends. Yeah. Is how I put it. Oh, we're, we're gonna. You want to come to a lunch? Yeah. With caviar and champagne and all the sort of like you know. Um. If yeah, that's you hear all the stories. You do me a favor, I'll do you one. It's all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll um, fund some of your. We will give you a lot of campaign donations if you like our things that help us. Like, yeah. Um. It's, it's all that kind of stuff. Um, it's even more worrying when you look at the countries that are actually very, very lax when it comes to corruption is the, we're like one of the good ones. Mm. Like take, take a country like Brazil where um, the recent elections that have been happening there and the, the government before them, like the previous leader of the government, uh, president was indicted on um, corruption charges. Like- you got a country with a pop- population of multiple hundred million people, yeah. um, and the leader of the country is also a producer of big producer of oil in this world. Um, has been indicted on corruption charges and sent to jail. Like, <laughs> how are we how are we supposed to beat that? Like, yeah. how do we win? That's and this isn't even talking about the autocratic systems in China, where their focus is absolutely not on climate change they they couldn't care less they've proven that um they're finally starting to show a little bit of understanding in the last few years with a few more policies but how do we fight against these other nations we only have control over ourselves yeah we can do the best we can with us and even then we've proven that that's not perfect how do we fight against them and convince them that they need to join the fight convince them that our priorities are the right ones (laughs) like Again, that's the problem. You know, you can argue the the merit of all these points, but if someone's priority is money over the environment, what are you going to do? Like that, that's that's that there isn't actually a heck of a lot apart from violent takeovers that you can do. 
or or you know you scratch our back we'll scratch yours in different areas like we'll give you this free shit if you stop if, if, if you know you start investing in renewables or something like that like there's obviously diplomatic ways to do it how effective they will be I don't know I've got an example for you that um, I'm curious to know what you think of uh, um, we'll talk about whether or not you could implement that in a way in society so one controversial policy is the American um, deal with Iran over nuclear weapons mm-hmm. um, and Basically, the, uh, again, correct me, people, if I am wrong, America gives Iran certain benefits so that they do not build yeah. nuclear weapons. Are, are you in favour of, like, without specifically talking about this policy, are you in favour of the idea in general of saying to countries, we're going to give you something so you don't do something that we don't want you to do? I mean, yeah. Because, again, the priorities are different. So if is that any different to negotiating with terrorists like in the sense that is this just a hostage crisis that we are being held over if we start giving in demands and cuz it's it's easy when it's like one country right is that not many countries have access to nuclear weapons yeah. and we can say to them right you know there might be three countries in the world that are close we can morally convince two of them that they should stop now and the other one we will monetarily buy out from doing it right mm-hmm. Every, almost every country in the world has some access to oil or coal, obviously to different amounts. But if we go to one country and say, right, we'll give you this so you don't burn all your oil, and then we go to another country, the, the country next door is going to be like, right, what are we getting? Again, it's it's, it's sort of thing like, like I, f- I feel like I come to this a lot. If I had, if I could, if I had the solution, it probably would have been fixed a while ago. <laughs> if I could, th- if I could think of it in an afternoon, that's that's the complexity of like. All politics, let alone global politics. Other countries have different priorities. They're in different situations where, you know, they need the like, you know, they need the money they get from oil, you know, to tackle poverty or to line their pockets. Like, if depending on how corrupt they like some of these yep. governments are. But again, you get to the priorities of these, like these these politicians. You know, are they actually doing it for the benefit of the people they're meant to be representing, or are they doing it? For money or for fame or, you know, for how, whatever reasons. Whatever Donald Trump's reason is, God knows. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> um, Way too much of a rabbit hole. <laughs> hold that thought on um, politicians because I have I have an idea of how I think would be a good way to end this show. Um, the show in general, not specifically this Killing episode. Killing one of the hosts? What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> I feel so often we will reach this point where we will get to... Um, we will get to a point where neither of us have the answer, right? Yeah, and that's as, because as, we have dramatically low IQs. <laughs> as you said earlier, if we were able to conceive the answer in an afternoon sitting in a studio, somebody would have done it a long time ago. Yeah. So it would be very easy for this show every week to just become depressing as all hell at the end as we realise, that's right, we don't have any influence on the world as good as can. So, <laughs> yeah. And my- this is where you help us. Give us money on Patreon and stuff <laughs> and we'll fix it ourselves. <laughs> well, uh, granted, we'll need a lot. However. So why don't, we, here's, why don't we at the end of every show like wrap up the topic by discussing just, just a few practical ideas of we don't have to fix the world. How do we actually make a tangible difference in the future? It doesn't have to be as an individual, but as each individual is in a collective. What would you be advising to people is how, how do we help deal with climate change? Vote. 
um, on vote vote for uh, whoever you think is going to he- whoever you think is going to help the environment the best. Do do your research and vote on what you think is going to help the environment the best. That'd be a good start in or you know wherever you are, vote. I think that's just a good idea. <laughs> Vote's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, research, vote, do all that stuff. In terms of ta- tackling the big problems, and that's, the, that's really the only way that an everyday person could really influence it. That and riding on the streets. So, like, I reckon voting is probably the better a better start. Yeah, I, I personally do lean towards voting of those two. Yeah. Um, I think, think it's really important to try and get as many things out there like this expose yourself to just the just the reality of what's going on um and obviously we're not the qualified experts and definitely get yeah do actual research yes yeah yeah. so we're a great conversation starter but um you know listen to people that have the actual stats to support it and what the what's the reality for the future and decide right how much how important is this to me how much do i care about this Mm. because you might look at you might look at your situation right now and say, okay, I'm a, I'm a coal miner in America who, if I vote for the, the Democratic candidate, um, there's a very good chance he might shut down the coal mine and I might lose my job, right? That's perfectly understandable. I, I, I totally get the logic that you are using in those circumstances. It's about looking at your position, where you're at in the world and saying, what actually works for me? Um, because as somebody who's not, you know, directly related to those industries and believes that we can do this, admittedly slowly, but we can do this. I value climate change is quite important because when we talk about those, some of those long-term effects that we've discussed over the show, and many more which we haven't, I, I don't want to live to see that world. Yeah. And if we can do as much as we can to avoid that, then I'm on I'm on board with that policy. So I completely agree with you. Go read up on what all of the candidates are saying for whoever's running for your government. And if you're in a dictatorship, throw a revolution. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's when riding in the streets is more, I guess, more encouraged. Yeah. We didn't condone it, but you didn't hear it here first. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, look, if, so, if the only reason someone's riding is because of us, <laughs> I think that's on them. Like, <laughs> that person needs to get a life. Yeah. Um, fair. No, so I'm I'm pretty happy with that. You happy? Mm-hmm. Well, not not with the global situation. But... Oh, I thought you were going to say not with the riots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty happy with the riots. Yeah. Yeah. We can start something. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a little disclaimer at the end. <laughs> this podcast does not condone violence. <laughs> Riding, apart from in circumstances so, so. where we do condone it. Yeah. Science. So <laughs> that's not science. <laughs> Brief summary. As a science student, that's not science. <laughs> Brief summary: just do your research and then do what you want. Yeah. Again, we're we're in the position where we can care about this. If you do care, try and elect someone who is also taking, cares. <laughs> yeah, who's taking a stance and saying that they do want to move towards more renewable energies mm. and not the kind of people that hold up. Um, a rock of coal in Parliament and claim this, this is good is, coal. This, this is good coal, and this is in no way scary. And that the leader of the opposition is in fact scared of this rock. Specific reference for anyone. Yeah. Um, fun days. I love Australian politics. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the time <laughs> the woman walked in in the burqa. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyway, I reckon that wraps us up for this week. Yep, yeah, probably. 
You decided to be back for season two? Yes. I I have time on my hands. <laughs> uh, so, I, so I can actually afford to come in here for, you know, a couple of hours. It's, 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 I, I much prefer this arrangement. And Screw more, education. And a more researched perspective this time rather than just walking in the room and going, God, what has Alex got for me this week? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there, there's, there's less general anxiety walking into it, like not knowing what I'm going to get thrown at and more general anxiety coming from the topic of climate change and the fact that it's actually kind of daunting. So, And yeah. you know that I'm not going to ask you easy questions. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm up. Whatever. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. As you can tell, we've gone for a different spin in uh, season two. Once Alex has a bit, few more ideas, we might go back to the old format. We might throw it, you. change it up. <laughs> you, you think I'm not going to take a chance at a drive-by <laughs> in my now renewable car? Um, <laughs> you can find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I think we're on like Stitcher and SoundCloud and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, cool. Spotify? Are we on Spotify, Bridge? <laughs> No, I don't think so. You, you were the one. Oh, that I think I, I think I tried the others on Spotify. I'm not sure if we actually succeeded. Oh, if you're listening come. to this on Spotify, you'll know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rate us uh, five stars wherever you listen to the show because that'll help us out. Um, tell your friends if you reckon they would enjoy the show. Send us money so we can definitely give it to <laughs> Renewable Energy. We will absolutely do that and not try and use it as a justification of the time we're wasting in this room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm Jacob Thompson. My name's Alex Henry. Goodbye. <laughs>